0: everybody to another edition of 18 in Life, the Pac 12 Hoops podcast. My name is Jeff Nuser here with my co-host Seth Colin, and one guy whose voice you will not hear is our producer Jeff Collier, who we are, forever indebted to for his help with producing the podcast. And Seth. Um, you know, as I was thinking about where we'd go to, to start tonight, I think that really, I don't know, like I mean we have seems like we've talked about a lot of teams. And one team we haven't talked about is the one team that's 3 and 0 in the conference <laughs> that's now. True. And, that's true. It's true. Now granted they they're 3 and 0 on the strength of 3 home games against um, three teams that at least two of which are looking pretty terrible right now, but at the same time, Colorado is in fact 3 and 0 and 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 I might even put to you this that if you had no expectation of how good or bad Colorado was supposed to be or not be this year.
1: Right.
0: And you just watched them play those three games against Utah against I'm assuming you watched the game against Washington.
1: Yeah.
0: I did not watch that game, but I watched the game against, against WSU. And I got to be honest, if I had no expectations whatsoever, um, I'd be pretty impressed. How about you?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I actually, the, the, the biggest part of that Colorado Washington game I watched was the first half, which which I had expectations for Colorado, which was that Colorado's not very good. They came out against the Huskies, they turned the ball over the first four times they had the ball, then they I think they got a shot off, then they turned the ball over two more times. It was something like I don't know if it was nine to two or fourteen to three. It was one of those kind of scores really early in the game. Um, and I was like, Well, this is gonna be a bloodbath. Like, they're just going to get destroyed. They don't even belong in the same port with the Huskies, and this is, you know, just going to be a joke. And I kind of wrote it off, and then they started crawling back, and I was like, oh, ha, 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 Colorado, you're so funny. And then they ended up blowing them out. I mean, their, their point differential is plus 23 in the three games. It's not like they won three squeakers. They just destroyed people. And, you know, I mean, I think it's sort of a mix of factors. I mean, they, they're, they're a three-point shooting team, and they played some teams that don't defend the three very well, slash, at all um and uh but i mean hey 3 and 0 is 3 and 0 and yeah they 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 look like they can shoot and protect the ball just well enough and rebound okay who knows
0: well one thing i noticed that well first of all john gasaway basketball prospectus does a Tuesday Truths thing during the conference season where he he kind of ranks the teams and he does it based on efficiency margin, not adjusted efficiency margin, but just raw efficiency margin. Well, right now, Colorado is the number one point per possession offense in the Pac-12. And the number one point per possession, defense in the background. By the way, if you hear laughing kids in the background, <laughs> that would be my children. It's a highly professional podcast. My, my two boys that are four and two are wrestling with each other. But anyway, I digress. They are Their efficiency margin right now is about .37 points per possession, which is just like that is an absurd, insane yeah. amount to be three games into a major conference season to be that dominant. Over three games, so I, I think the biggest thing, biggest takeaway for me as I watched them play was that they're, they have talent. You know, mm-hmm. they are a talented team. I, I think you know, if you look at talent, you know, maybe top four, top five players, talent wise, I, I don't know that there's another team in the conference where I'd say, you know, that yeah, that team is definitely more talented than Colorado. I mean, I think they're, you know, maybe it drops off a little after that, but really, I mean, yeah. they've got four legitimate threats who can score in in a number of ways.
1: Yeah, I mean Roberson is I mean, probably, you know, maybe an NBA level talent with his body and his athleticism. He's six he's six seven. He's a beast rebounding. Carlin Brown is a transfer from Utah who was one of their better scorers when he decided he wanted to leave. Um and Dinwiddie is a freshman who, you know, is a, really, playing really, really, really well as a freshman. Um I don't know much about Dufault, but uh but you know he's he's a good player as well but th- yeah I, I mean i think those those couple, those three guys and like you said it does really drop off after that they had a ton of guys uh graduate um but but i mean yeah they uh they they do those those players are are some of the best players in the league i think
0: yeah one thing about dufault is that he is you know he's he's really efficient you know his offensive ratings are around 115 and they've got all these guys i, I think the thing that you know, impressed me the most when they played Washington State was that you know, well, one thing is they were the beneficiary of perhaps the worst coaching strategy
1: in the in, in the in the in the, I've been, I've been seeing in the Pac-12. Reading, of uh, reading your fuming blogs here. And, my goodness! And so
0: this is a team that was shooting 39 and a half percent from three this year, and coming into the, coming into that game on Saturday. And, uh, and they, they, the, D- Ken Bone thought the best possible strategy for defending a team that shoots that well from three point range with a lot of tall guys, by the way, not with short guys, but tall guys thought yeah. the best strategy for defending that was a 2 3 zone, which was predictably shredded. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a bloodbath. But, you know, it just, they, they've got four guys, each of which who shot more than, um, 22, 22 or more three point attempts who are over 40%. From three,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, but you know, they're going to have a possibly rude awakening because after that nice three-game stretch of of home games against not very good teams, they're going on the road at Cal on Thursday, uh, and and they're going to. I mean, I think you'll see kind of right away just how 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 Cal will handle those guys.
0: Yeah, I'm actually really interested in sort of finding out if if Colorado is for real. I mean, they they've built this. You know, playing three games at home, and now they've got to travel to uh, travel to the Bay Area, play Calif- California, play Stanford, um, and and it's kind of interesting, kind of a cool weekend. And that you know, all three of these teams are going to play each other, um, you know, Thursday and, and Saturday. So um, that part is sort of really fascinating. But you know, yeah, it's I think we have to be careful about you know crowning a team too early, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think this was the first year we did the podcast it was two years ago, and Oregon starts out they sweep the Washington schools in the road. And, you know, at that point they'd won, beaten all the bad teams they'd played and they'd lost to, you know, a couple of middling teams. Uh, but, you know, we we're kind of like, well, you know, maybe they're improving. Maybe Dunnigan's going to be really good finally. And Tawan Porter's going to hit a bunch of shots and Armstead looks really, you know, and we were kind of like, maybe they're, you know, imagining this scenario where maybe these two, and then they lose five games in a row. Yeah. And then Ken gets fired and then everyone transfers. So, you know, I mean, it's, they won two games at home. They did win those games big. Then they beat Utah by a ton, but Utah's, you know, not still – I'm still not convinced they're very good, uh, even though they nearly beat – even though they beat Washington State and nearly beat the Huskies. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not – I would say I'm less excited than you are about, uh, about Stanford and Cal, although I guess in a way it would be nice if Colorado did well because that would mean that maybe the Huskies and Wazoo aren't. If <laughs> they get blown out then we're bad. gonna just feel really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you
0: know, I, I think the one thing that, that has me believing that you know that Colorado is perhaps maybe more for real than, than that Oregon team is. Um just just the sheer margins by which they're winning. Um, you know, Everybody likes to dump on Utah, and after Colorado destroyed them by 40, we're like, oh, God, well, jeez, if Colorado can beat them by 40, how bad is Utah really? And then, of course, Utah goes and uh, beats my team, which we won't talk about because I'd like to not kill myself before the end of the podcast, but – um you know, they, but they also hung tough with Washington. I mean, they were right there all the way to the end. Um, not that, you know, I don't think anybody thinks Washington's a world beater at the moment, but at the same time, you know, I mean, that's, that says something that they were able to hang there. And so, you know, the sheer margins by which Colorado has won all three games, um, to me suggests that perhaps maybe we're dealing with a better team than, than we thought, or, or at least a better team than that Oregon, Oregon squad that, that fell apart. Um, you know, other other interesting results from last weekend. Uh, well, the
1: game of the week, I mean, yeah. that was really exciting. And Oregon
0: State-Stanford.
1: I wish they would figure out a way that my DVR could know that basketball games go into four overtimes because it happens very rarely, but then when you only, you know, extend your recording by 30 minutes and you see only the two overtimes yes. and then it's tied, it's like, well, there's no, you know – it's just, it's depressing, but it was an awesome game. I mean, even just, I didn't know that it had gone into four overtimes. I saw some weird things on Twitter about, wow, I thought this game was going to be over, and now it's really long. I thought that just meant people were fouling at the end of the game or something. But <laughs> I saw the, yeah, I saw the two overtimes, and uh, what a fun game to watch all the way through, and just really exciting. Uh, Roberto Nelson's two three-pointers without wearing any shoe, with with while well, missing a shoe, um, was very, very cool. That was definitely the moment of the week. Um, and uh, I didn't even see the last two overtimes. I only saw the first two.
0: Yeah, I'm really annoyed at myself because I have seen literally zero of that game.
1: Oh, so really? <laughs> it was it was a fun. It was a pretty fun game.
0: Yes. Afterwards, um, on Twitter, people are like, "Did you see that?" And I'm like, "No, I've been busy writing on this other thing over here." And yeah, they're like, yeah. "No, wait, did you see it?" And I'm like, "What did I miss?" Yeah. And then I, of course, realized what I missed. And right, you know, But yeah. I did read the stories, and I did hear people talk about it. And um, yeah, quite disappointing that the game was on. Uh, on, uh, you know, FSN and not, um, not ESPN so that we could perhaps maybe, I don't know, watch it, watch the archived game, you know, oh, but, yeah. uh, I think that actually is supposed to be, by the way, if we can just digress for a sec, supposed to be part of the next Deal with the with the Pac-12 media stuff is that the that all the games are going to be available that way archived and available to be watched later through their digital media network. So, no
1: more excuses. No more excuses. <laughs> no more uh, yeah. So but yeah. You know, the it, one you thing know. I would say about that game uh, is and uh, you know it, it, I think it probably got lost because it ended up going to four overtime, Although so maybe not so much. But Craig Robinson at the end of the game he had four timeouts left. And he could have played offense defense there with Roberto Nelson coming in on offense, who who in you know didn't play that much, given that he was probably one of the better players, was playing probably one of the best games that he's had. He only played like twenty six minutes of like a sixty minute game. I think Cunningham ended up playing like fifty six minutes. But you have four timeouts left. At the end of regulation, I mean he ended up having a lot of timeouts in overtime, so I guess that was good, kinda. But you know, he could have called timeouts and gone offense, defense, and it was weird to me because when they played Washington, they kept starting to come back and starting to kind of close the game. Was it Washington or was it Washington State? I guess it was it was one of the two, but they were closing in and they were starting to come back and they were getting some stops, and as soon as they hit a basket, he'd call a timeout. Instead of letting kind of the momentum of scoring and then trying to stop the other team. So it was just it seemed weird that he would in one situation when he's behind and trying to catch up call timeouts, and then the other situation where the game is close, and I guess I think they were ahead, um, you know, not call timeouts and go offense, defense with Nelson. That was just, I don't know, that just seemed odd to me. Yeah, it's, you know, and I don't know. Four timeouts on the floor when you're playing a press style of defense, right? and your guys are completely, how Jared Cunningham played 56, I mean, I assume that he, you know, does some cardio, but I mean, <laughs> you know, 56 minutes playing that style that they play, that's nuts.
0: Yeah, it, you know, I don't, um, you know, I really don't know why he didn't. <laughs> um, what I know is that, you know, again, it seems that Craig Robinson, you know, one of the knocks on him is maybe not a great, you know, game manager type guy, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It's what I do know is that that game is, that that's a pretty – I don't want to say it's a bad loss for Oregon State because, I mean, you know, four overtime, I mean, you know, it's – I don't know if it's a bad loss. But at the same time, it's – they're sitting there now. I mean two weeks ago when we – It's an
1: unfortunate loss. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's probably a good way to put it because it's like, you know, they – yeah, they are, um, you know – they were one of the teams that we thought might be good, and and you know we're talking about how this four game stretch at the beginning would be really telling, and you know all these things, and 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 they go up and you know get swept up in Washington. They do beat Cal, which is good, but then they lose it's this great. four I overtime. Mean, Cal's yeah,
1: the best team in the league. We yeah. both think. So they I mean, lose you know, this I'll four you game. You know? their their point differential is minus uh, two point is minus three point eight, and they're one and three. Yeah. Stanford's point differential is exactly zero. They've scored they scored as many points as they've given up, and they're three and one. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I, I said before the year, I, before the podcast, I thought that Oregon State was having good luck this year, and they kind of caught the Washington schools, and maybe not with their best home uh, crowds. And apparently, it just looks like their luck is kind of holding. I mean, they you know they certainly don't deserve to be. One and three, and Stanford does not deserve to be three and one, but that's the way it goes in an eighteen games. I mean, that's why we call it eighteen in life, in an eighteen game schedule, like, you know, you got to have those bounces. That's why I think that game against Arizona this week for them is pretty big.
0: Yeah, I would seem to be very huge. They
1: lost a, they've got if they're going to win the conference, which I still think is, I mean, actually at this point, I don't know. I still think that's a goal for them. I still think they're a good team, but they've got to get some road wins now, and they gave up, they had a chance against Washington, Washington State, they didn't get a road win, and now they dropped this game against Stanford, and now this is kind of one of their chances to win one of those road games that probably a lot of other teams aren't going to win.
0: They do play five of their next seven away from home, Oof. which is a pretty tough stretch considering the slow start that they got off to, so, you know, I but I wouldn't. I think one of the big things is I would not put anybody out of the race, you know, Ooh. in the sense that, I mean, you got to figure some of these teams are going to come back to the pack. I mean, look, as, as much as high as I am on Colorado right now, you know, I don't know that I think Colorado is going to go, go win 14 games in the conference, you know? Um And I don't know that Cal or Stanford is going to do that either, or Washington or any of these other teams that, that we sort of have been talking about as, as, as contenders. So, you know, it's, uh, there's going to be some coming back to the pack, um, you know somebody who maybe is in the sort of the bottom half of the conference right now might get hot and, and put some things together and and you know make a move upwards just from you know the idea that 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 maybe those teams up at the top are going to start coming back again um you know any any kind of superlative offensive performances catch your eye obviously carlin brown caught mine cuz he sh- you know lit my team up <laughs> from, from three point range which you know he is deadly um, so he was impressive. Any Anybody else sort of maybe catch your eye from, from this past weekend?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I would, I, nothing offensive, but I would say the one thing that was sort of interesting to me this weekend was a lot of teams going bigger and longer um, than they had been before. I mean, Washington State starting – I can't say the guy's name.
0: Dexter Kernick-Drew.
1: Over Reggie Moore, so yes. going taller. Which um, was another
0: terrible decision by my coach, but continue.
1: Stanford going with uh, John Gage um, in that game, who's a seven-footer who shoots outside. I wouldn't say necessarily bigger so much as more versatile.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Means um, taller, kind of more versatile players. Um, Oregon uh, State started Eric Moreland, which they hadn't done, um, but he was starting. Um, so, yeah, you saw – and then UCLA – uh, they didn't have Josh Smith, and he had a, he had sort of remnants of a concussion. He, they didn't have him in their uh, first game of the on uh, their Thursday game. They had him in Correct. the second game. They didn't in the Thursday game, and they beat Arizona without him. Yes, um, uh, which was another big result. But yeah, sort of a longer kind of look. Like a lot of teams, and a lot of teams kind of doing um, doing this because it seems to be. I mean, and and the other thing I should point out about Stanford not playing Andrew Zimmerman, who's sort of their like you know, glue guy, you know, but he's not very tall. He's not very athletic. And against Oregon State, they're kind of like, well, you know, you you can't be effective here.
0: Yeah, you know, UCLA is interesting. I was all prepared to jump on here and, and say, uh, hey – UCLA, boy, they you know beat Arizona without Josh Smith, and boy, they looked awful good doing it. Their spacing was so good, and maybe they're a better team without Josh Smith. And then they go out and right. wail on Arizona State with him, which you know, obviously, Smith, yeah. obviously <laughs> the level of competition is a little different. But right. you know, because Arizona State was missing, I think three guys, oh, uh, just dismissed Keala King, their leading scorer when they got back. I mean, I don't know how much leash Herb Sendek has, but I got to think like, I mean. If I'm just taking the the big picture view of that program, I'm looking and going what has he done outside of recruit James Harden
1: to yeah Tempe?
0: you know it, what I'm saying
1: yeah I know it's it's bad and the, you know the, so the, yeah so I guess Keala King and Chase Creek and I think that's right and some other guy all got suspended for a game and they were supposed to do some sort of conditioning work while they weren't playing and King just decided he wasn't going to do it, so he got kicked off the team. Now they've got Trent Lockett playing point guard, who has apparently never played point guard. Uh, I Yeah, I don't know, you know, it, they've had a ton of guys leave the program, and Sendex says, you know, well, these days, guys, they just want playing time, and, you know, they're not willing to just be good. You know, in the old days, they'd want to be good college players, but now they don't care about that. They just want, they just want playing time, and they want to. Well, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, if, you know, like, they want to get to the NBA. They don't care about good college players. Well, of course. Like, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, Herb S- Sendex a very successful guy. But, I mean, these are, like, 17-, 18-, 19-year-old kids. They've dreamed of going to the NBA. They would probably like to, you know, be gainfully employed. And this is probably their best shot to doing it. I mean, it's Division One athletics. It's, like – you know, I mean, does he think that they're all there to, you know, I don't know what, but that just seems like a really weird thing for a Division One basketball coach to say, like, oh, I didn't know these guys wanted to go to the NBA. I thought they just wanted to come and win a bunch of games for me at Arizona State. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. no, It I, hasn't I totally been
1: like agree. that for 20, I mean, 20 years. I really don't think, maybe it's, I mean, maybe 10. And there's a lot of coaches who are dealing with the same problem. He's not the only coach that deals with this problem. I mean, Lorenzo Romar, I think, is a good example of someone who has embraced that, really. And when Isaiah Thomas left and went to the NBA, you didn't see Lorenzo Romar saying, oh, he doesn't care about breaking records. I mean, a lot of people were saying that. Oh, he doesn't care he could break records at Washington. He's making a bad decision. He said, look, he thought it was the time for him to leave. You don't get anywhere. And then the second thing is you don't get anywhere with recruits by going out and saying – Oh, the, we don't want guys that are just going to want to go to the NBA. We want guys that are going to be really good Arizona State basketball players. Well, good luck with that message. Yeah, no I mean, kidding. Romar, I mean, Ro- the one thing that Romar has done, I mean, and this is why a lot of colleges, a lot of colleges now look for coaches with NBA experience because they can say, "Hey, I,", I and, and Ro- which Romar does. I know I can, I've been there. I understand what it's like. You know, we do want to prepare you for the NBA, and look, we've done it. Look at all the players he sent there, um, and. Gosh, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know what Sendek is really trying to express there, but that's, I don't know. That's not really a great message, I don't
0: think. Well, I think it, it strikes me as the sort of thing a coach says when he's incredibly frustrated.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, yeah. and grasping at straws. And. You know, it's you can always kind of tell when a coach is starting to get to that point. You know, they they just start they start doing strange things. Like for example, taking your point guard out, who's been at about a three to one assist to turnover ratio for the last you know month, and putting in a, a red shirt freshman whose best redeeming quality is he's just long. You know, like like Ken Bone did, or you, or you go a two three zone because you're like. It seemed like – the. I know what the statistics said. I mean he literally said this. He literally said, oh, man. We, we thought this was the right thing to do even though it might not be what the statistics suggested. And I'm like – Yes, that is true. The statistic, you know, I mean, it's like yeah. we're not talking about a team that's like a middle of the road shooting team. We're talking about like one of the best shooting teams in the country. And you're like, I think zone's the way to go. I mean, it's just, you, well, know,
1: and you then- know, I mean, it's like Howland did with UCLA, you know, and he went zone, which he doesn't like to do. He just said, well, heck with it. You know, we're going to go zone and then I'm going to alienate some of the better players in the team. I don't know. It's, I agree with you. It seems like it is kind of a frustration thing well, and, and bone
0: didn't even say after the game you know i mean the 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 new beat guy out there for the spokesman review christian capel who's who's awesome you know asked him a question had the audacity to ask a question about the two three zone and bone kind of gave him a you're really asking me that like you're really questioning my strategy and it's like yeah legitimate question and that's you know again it, we're at the point where it seems like you know, there's a number of coaches kind of grasping at straws and, um, you know, just kind of looking for anything to to get get their team going. And and some of it's working and some of it's not. And, you know, maybe what UCLA needed was to play a game without Joshua Smith and, and kind of see what you know what what that might be like, and how the floor might space better, and then and maybe work him back in, you know, to to the lineup because they looked awful good against Arizona, and and you know the yeah. biggest thing I noticed was you know the spacing was very good. They actually got up and down the floor a little bit, um, you know, and and I like Josh Smith, I really do, but he does clog kind of clog the lane, and you have to have sort of a certain if you're going to have a lane clogger like that, you better have a certain kind of team around him, and, and, and UCLA frankly just doesn't have that kind. Of a team, um, you know they've yeah. got a bunch of slashers who can get to the rim, and you know, without you know, when you got a guy clogging up the middle, that it makes it that much more difficult. Plus, you know, when you've only got when you got a guy who ostensibly is your best player, but he's only playing twenty minutes a game, and your style has to change so drastically. When he's in versus when he's out, I I don't know. It makes it awful tough to have a lot of continuity, and and uh, you know, I'm interested to see if if their win over Arizona State was more a function of Arizona State just being terrible, or UCLA kind of you know figuring out a way to fit Josh Smith back in um, and and still be effective.
1: Well, you know, I mean, then they beat uh, they beat um, Arizona as well, which you know is you know not a not a bad team. I don't know. They're, they're, it seems like they're, their scoring is at least distributed a lot better. And I, my guess is that their touches are probably distributed a lot better than they were early in the year. Um, I do have to note that uh, Reeves Nelson's brother was kicked yes. off the UCLA football, football team. team. So it's been a real,
0: yeah. been a real
1: banner year for the Nelson. Yeah, family. the <laughs> Nelson
0: Holocaust. Is um,
1: I don't know if there's a sister on like the soccer team or something, but a, she should watch out. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we said it before the year. They have talent, you know. They they have talented guys that just didn't wasn't gelling at first. But you know, they lost four of five, and that was November twenty third. They lost their fourth game, and they've lost three games since. They've and they've won ten, I want to say, i eight, nine, nine, uh, eight games since. So you know, I mean, uh, you know, definitely four. of Those were against pretty cruddy competition, and you maybe one Arizona Stadium with that, but um, yeah. but they near, you know they nearly beat Stanford probably maybe should have beat Stanford, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they could yeah they could very easily be three and one in the league with their only loss at Cal. So wow. I mean that's nothing to sniff at.
0: And I think the difference for me is, and I think you know the the thing that's really seems to be powering them a little bit or or at least is what they what they needed. You know we all figured they had a decent front line. But it, right. it was going to be their guards that were the question mark. And and to be honest, you know, Lazarus Jones, Tyler Lamb, Jeremy Anderson, they're playing pretty well right now.
1: Yeah, um, especially as it seems really, really improved. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and it seems like there's a confidence factor and, and they're being efficient. I mean, Lazarus Jones had, you know, 10 assists and one turnover against the Sun Devils. Um, you know, They're and,
1: seventh in the country in turnover possession.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, per, I mean, Percentage, excuse right. me. So they yeah. take care of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I, I think, you know, they're coming along, and you know, maybe I mean, maybe we're doing them a disservice right now by overlooking them a little bit. I mean, they're two and two in the conference, yeah. so you know. And then they've got this weekend; they've got USC, which they should win. I know that's at USC, but USC's really There's USC might be, might be worse than Utah.
1: They might be. They're down to six scholarship players now because, uh, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? Aaron Fuller, who's you know, kind of good player. Like he's, you know, kind of 6'6", big guy, rebounds a lot. He's got a torn, he's had a torn labrum all year, and now apparently it's gotten so bad he can't play. Uh, And he's out. So they're down to six scholarship players um, with all the other injuries that they've had. I mean, and Maurice Jones, you know, I mean, it's hard to know what to say. The guy's shooting 34%, but he's kind of got a, there's no one else on that team that can score. So it's sort of hard to, to be down on him for that. Um, it's just, it's an ugly situation.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's sort of unfortunate,
1: <laughs> you know, they're already saying, Kevin O'Neill already had a quote, like we're not going to win any championships. It's like, wow, it's three games into the conference season. That's a rough yeah. message, but four games yeah. into the conference season. But yeah, they, uh, they're, you know, and they just, you know, I wish if they were going to be so crappy, they would at least be entertainingly crappy, but they're, you yeah. play them and they're so horrible. Horribly dull and slow. Yeah, it's just and they're you know their defense is still so so good because that's really what he's going for, you know that it just turns into these awful games. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's, well, you know.
0: Aaron, little little nugget for you. Aaron Fuller, who you mentioned mm. is you know done, um, was one of two players on the team who had an offensive rating above a hundred. So. <sighs>
1: Yeah, so don't look for the scoring averages to go up.
0: <laughs> no, it's really kind of sad. All
1: right, this weekend, so <laughs> we've got Colorado, Colorado. Colorado
0: visiting the Bay Area schools.
1: That, would, you know, I mean, I, I really feel like Oregon State, uh, Arizona. Arizona yep. I think that's the game. That's that that I, to me, that's the game that I'm most interested in. Uh, and that's, uh, let's see, da, 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 that's Thursday on FCS Central and Root Sports Northwest. Yes. But not. I guess you'll be able to get it somewhere probably. Because you and, get okay, you get Root Sports if you're in the Northwest, you get FCS Central if you're in Arizona, presumably. Yeah. So that's too bad. It looks like Oregon at Arizona State is the FSN national game for some inexplicable reason. Yeah,
0: don't even don't let's not even start.
1: And Oregon, Arizona on C B S on Saturday. Oregon at Arizona on C B S on Saturday. That should be an entertaining that could game. Reasonable that should be a fun entertain. game to watch. Yeah,
0: that could be reasonably entertaining. And I think um you know, Oregon State, you know, we were talking about their chances of kind of getting back in this thing, but you look, you know, okay, if they can somehow beat Arizona, you know, you got to figure they're going to beat Arizona State. So, you know, I mean, it's, they could very easily come out of this weekend three and three and, and feeling pretty okay about themselves. Cause you don't figure, you know, you don't figure with, with Colorado, Cal and Stanford all playing each other. You don't figure any of them is going to go two and oh, really. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but yeah. you know. I, well I shouldn't say that if you know if uh, Cal or, or stanford you've got to figure they're probably going to beat utah at home and and if either one of them can beat colorado then you know they'll be they'll they'll be in sitting very pretty um, up there at 5 and 1 but uh, yeah. that could be interesting washington washington state apple cup of basketball which i always think is the weirdest Reference to nobody calls it, to, that. Nobody calls it that, but
1: you they know. To call this in Oregon. They do it. They call it Civil War. They do it. People call it that, but they, they do. don't do it here. For just
0: doesn't see. I don't know. It just doesn't fit
1: right. I don't no, it just doesn't. But, Probably because both schools have always been so just god awful at basketball. Yeah, like, no one wants to watch the game, <laughs> that, and this year it's no different.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I will be watching it from uh, right behind the Cougar bench, apparently. Because I oh, have, cool. I have I have connections, and those, I those like
1: booster seats. You always yes. see those people. You got to wear a sweater and yes. look respectable.
0: and and I'm also going to have to keep my uh keep my mouth to myself i think while i'm sitting back there next to the next to the president and the and the family members of the team and and everybody else (laughs) i'm I'm gonna have to be like "Mm -mm -mm -mm," but that's okay you know no it's um you know if if anything else if nothing else it should be kind of interesting hopefully it won't be a total derp off i don't know it's that's what that uh seattle university uw game turned into last night towards the end but uh could be yeah that was that was pretty awful but yeah it could be an interesting game and and you know in Washington if they can win that game all of a sudden they're you know for all the crap that they've taken they could be sitting there at 4 and 1 in the conference after their first 5 games which you know again wouldn't be totally crazy so That's and uh, my kids have returned downstairs so maybe that is maybe that is our Cue to wrap it up.
1: I wanted to do I wanted to do one thing because I've talked about this to you over email, and I we we talk about you know league isn't that good, but I wanted to do like a five years ago thing because back you know not that long ago we can remember how good the league was. Uh, so five years ago, January fourteenth, two thousand seven. So about five years ago, it was number fifteen Oregon, seventy nine number ten Arizona, seventy seven. Aaron Brooks on his twenty second birthday. Uh, banking a shot over two defenders with two seconds left to give number 15 Oregon a 79-77 victory. And they had beaten UCLA, who had been number one, on January 6th. So that's pretty exciting. That was was five years ago. That is
0: exciting. Are you sure he didn't make a shot at the buzzer to beat Washington State? Because it only seemed like he did that about 38 (laughs) times. Even though I know they only played like, eight times over his career. No, it seemed like that dude, man. Every time it seemed like he had a big shot against Washington State. Hey, that's
1: but. what it says in this article. It says, down the stretch, we put the ball in the hand of Mr. Big Shot, said Oregon guard Malik Harrison. We call him that because he makes the big shots just like Chauncey Billups. And he does. And he does. And he continues yeah. to in the NBA. Yes, uh, I don't think Malik Harrison's in the NBA, but whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, interesting. All yeah. right. All right. <laughs> That's another edition of 18 in Life, the Pac-12 Hoops podcast. For Seth, I am Jeff, and also on behalf of our producer, Jeff, we appreciate you listening. We will talk to you next week.